Are you in uh, Matthew 20, verse 28? Are you there? Okay, hold your place there. And here we jump in to raising the bar. Now, what is raising the bar for our guest here today? It's a church-wide campaign. Now, that's key. Everybody say church-wide. If you're a church member, say that means me. <laughs> this is not a pastor pastor series. This is a church-wide campaign to transform. That means completely change. That means to transform from one thing to another. It's almost, the Greek word is metamorphosis. It's, it's become from a little squiggly, you know, caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. A church-wide commitment campaign to totally transform the culture of our church family. Now, let me say to you today as we continue that our, our church cult, the church culture in America needs a transformation. Now, I know there's great things going on all over the nation, but by and large, listen, the statistics are out. The proof is in the pudding. Uh, the, the culture in America, in the American church needs to raise the bar. And it comes to our commitment level to Christ. And, 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 and we're, we're addressing three areas and, uh, uh, oh gosh, I bet the memory verse is in there. Uh, throw that up because I forgot about that. Here's the memory verse, uh, that you and I need to be memorizing. And it's John 8, 31 and 32. Let's read it together. And then you memorize it this week. It's everyone out loud. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Everybody say amen. You're supposed to be, that's one of our church-wide uh, uh, directives. We're memorizing seven verses in seven weeks. Uh, and John 8, 31 and 32 is one. And so, now, this campaign, let's move forward, and I'll get into the meat of the message. It really is for three three purposes. We're here to raise the bar of our personal commitment, number one, to Christ. Listen, we need to be more committed to Jesus Christ today than yesterday. And if we're not careful, you understand the culture of our day is watering down our commitment to Christ. It's evident on every side. And so we need to be more committed to Him today than we were yesterday. We need Him more. Everybody say, I need Him more. We need Him more in our life. And then the second area is to His purposes, or really we could define it as His purpose. That is to win people to Jesus Christ. One of our church-wide directives and, 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 and challenges is, and we've, we gave you uh, challenge sheets, church-wide ones and personal ones. And, 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 and in those challenges is a challenge to witness for Jesus Christ every week, to share Christ with someone. And we need that. Hey, listen, the evangelistic efforts in America and Canada are not even keeping up with the population growth. So we've got to turn the tide. How many of you know we need to be progressing evangelistically rather than digressing? And how does that happen? Well, we need some more big time evangelists to come into town. We need another Billy Graham. All that's great. But listen, the, the commission of Christ in Matthew 28 was not for Billy Graham or, or Scott Camp or other evangelists we may know. It was for the church. And we have a commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that He's commanded us. And then the third church-wide commitment is 
is to our church family. And we're going to talk about that some more this morning. Uh, we, we need one another more and we need to connect with one another more. We have, you see the tables on each side. There are Sunday circles. Uh, and uh, for the next, uh, gosh, we're halfway through, I think. Uh, we come together and rally around the table of the Lord. And we not only eat donuts and drink coffee, but we discuss the things of the kingdom. Uh, and we connect with one another. Uh, and, and if you know much about church culture today and people endeavoring, pastors and leaders trying to motivate their church, you see all kinds of words and sermons with the word connect in them. We, we have a connect course. Uh, and the reason there's such emphasis on connecting is because there's a, been a big emphasis, emphasis on disconnecting. Hello? And in fact, you know, understand that in, in church today and in, uh, in evangelical churches today, what we call active members are less than 50% on Sunday morning. In other words, on any given Sunday, uh, 50 to less than 50% of people will be there. And, and that's, that's present day culture's definition of being faithful. It's gone down consistently. Uh, in, in the eighties, when I first started, it was 80, 20. On any given Sunday, a pastor would know that he'd have 80% of his people in church. And so to communicate truth was not too hard. You got 80% of your people there on a Sunday morning. That's pretty good odds. And you communicate a truth. Today, when pastors stand up in their local churches, by and large, they're speaking to less than 50% of their people. What's happened? They've lowered the bar. And that's the reality of the culture we live in. Now, I know there are pods of, uh, you know, and, and small pods of where this is not happening, where people are raising the bar. In fact, uh, you know, around the world, uh, uh, the evangelistic efforts are by and large, uh, a- exceeding the population growth. Here in American Canada, uh, we are not. And so we've got to raise the bar. Everybody say raise the bar. And so where does that begin? It begins with us. You know, I was with John Miller. Uh, and his church and our uh, he, great, great pastor, great church leader, great friend. And uh, he told me this years ago when I was pastoring Quitman and we were driving home from a conference. And I said, John, I just need God to do something great in my church. I need God to move in my church. And I was kind of just, you know, I need I need this. I need that. And I need, you know, that's what brothers in Christ do. We confide in one another. And, and John, you got to know John. That's Uncle John. Uh, to Michael and Lyric, uh, but Uncle John said this to me. He said, well, you know, Sam, in his matter of fact, uh, administrative tone, uh, that's who he is. He said, well, you know, Sam, if you want God to do something great in your church, you got to first let him do something great in you. And that's where it begins with all of us. You see, I know if we're going to raise the bar in our church, we've got to raise the old pastor. Sam's got to raise the bar in his own life. I know if we want to raise the bar in our families that it begins with mama and daddy. It begins with us. Everybody say it begins with me. And so uh, with that in mind today, let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us in the next few moments. This will be a simple message. This is not deep theologically. This is not uh, broad and wide, but hopefully today will help you be able to, to raise the bar of your commitment to Christ, His purposes, and His church family. Father, thank you today for the word of the Lord. May it bring forth much fruit in our life today. And Lord, we know you were totally committed and you are totally committed to us. That your commitment never wavered. Lord, you, you followed through with your commitment to you, to us. And Lord, help us do the same with you in Jesus name. And everyone said, Amen. Today we want to talk about raising the bar of ministry and service.
Everyone say ministry and service. God has us all in a place to be a people of service to Him. And in Matthew 20, verse 28, in fact, if you're there, I want you to look at it. I love this. It says, the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, He did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. Let's read that together out loud. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to be served, but He came to serve. He came to give His life as a sacrificial atonement for our sin and as for a ransom, for a payment for many. And so today, uh, we realize that truth and we want to embrace it and realize and we'll learn today that because Jesus did that for us, we need to do that for Him. We need to be servants to Him and servants to the purposes of God. And so we want to raise the bar of ministry and service. And when you look to Scripture, and even in the Old Testament and you go through the Old Old Testament and the types and the shadows. It was all, it all pointed to the need for a sacrifice. It all pointed to, uh, for the need for someone to lay something down and to give something up and to serve and to, uh, and to uh, sacrifice even uh, the, their own life if necessary. And so we see those types and shadows in the, in the Old Testament. In fact, when Jesus came and this scripture began to be realized, what did he do? He laid his life down as a sacrifice for the sins of all humanity. And we ought to say, thank you, Jesus, for what He did for us. And so He modeled for us the ministry of service and sacrifice and, 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 and paved the way, if you will, for the church to rise up and to raise the bar of ministry and service and sacrifice in the world we live in. And today, understand something. Contrary to the call of God, contrary to the Word of God, contrary to the heartbeat of God and, and, and the model Jesus gave for us, our culture is by and large a serve-me society. How many of you realize that? And how many of you, in fact, just on a, on a, on a light, how many of you appreciate good service? You go to a restaurant, man, you appreciate good service, and that's awesome. But ultimately, we need to realize that the, the culture we live in is not a culture of service, but a culture of selfishness. And we talked about that a little last week. And so that's why we need to change the culture. We need to transform our lives. And I want to give you some simple thoughts today from Scripture about embracing the servant's heart in the midst of a culture of selfishness. We live in a culture of selfish people. We're all selfish. Everybody say we're just naturally selfish. I know that's not a good confession, but it's by and large the truth. And the culture today is different than the culture of yesterday. You need to realize that. I once was young and now I'm old. And I have seen a culture shift. And, and even, and it, and, and I see it pronounced in the church by and large. And, and when, in, in the early days of my ministry, it was a, 
it was a service mindset. It seemed there was a servant's heart. And, and, and over the course of time, it's gone from a service mindset to a serve me mindset by and large. Now, for all the servants in the house, hey, hey, you just smile and nod. No, I'm not talking to you. Uh, but all of us need to understand that we are battling a culture that is, that is contrary to scripture. Okay. And so we need to realize that. And what does God have for us uh, to, to embrace and in a sense swim uphill and, and, and transform the culture of our church family and transform the culture of our children? Listen, our children do not be, need to be raised in a culture of selfishness, but in a culture of selfless service. The children in our, our families need to see mama and daddy sacrificially serving their community, sacrificially serving their church family and, and, and others and, and, and model for them and be role models of service and sacrifice. Jesus, the son of man, did not come to be served, but he came to serve, give his life a ransom for many. Sadly, when many people come through the church doors, they don't, they don't walk up and say, I come to serve. They, by, by their lifestyle and their actions, I came to be served. And if you don't serve them what they want to be served, they go somewhere else like a restaurant and say, I've got to find somebody going to serve me better. Now, how many of you know we should serve one another in the church? But when we have the mindset where, where we say, serve me, you know, I, I heard someone say this years ago. Everybody says they're a servant until someone treats you like one. You think you've got a heart of a servant till somebody uh, treats you like one. I'll never forget. I, I may not get done with this service today because when you get old, things come to your head and you just want to say them. So I'll never forget when Beverly and I were uh, getting ready to leave Quitman uh, and come here. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, in my departure and maybe in my arrival, I need a new sport coat to kind of look the part and, and, you know, and raise the bar of my personal appearance, you see. And so I, I went and bought a, a beautiful maroon red sport coat. Man, I was sporty in that sport coat. And so, so I had my sport. I don't know if in, in the process we had a, a big pastor's conference in Dallas. And so, uh, you know, when you back then you just dressed to impress, you know, and so I'm all dolled up in my best you know, sport coat and my maroon sport coat. And we're in the altar after in a big meeting and it's, uh, and there's just hundreds of people there and I'm kind of over the side ministering, praying for people and in the altar and I'm feeling good in my sport coat and I'm Pastor Sam, you see, and, uh, I'm feeling good about all that I am. And, and then in a moment, a one of the musicians from the, who was a guest musician, I've gone off to the side. He, he had his, his guitar. And he said, pardon me, sir, do you have a key to that closet over there where I can put my instrument in that closet? And, and I wasn't even in my church family. And I realized, who does he think I am? And I looked around and all the ushers had on maroon sport coats. He thought I was an usher. And I said, sir, I am not an usher. And he got to the core of who I thought I really was. I, now I'm back, looking back, I wish I'd have had a key to the closet, man. I, I'd rather have served him than realize that I was, I had a different mindset. And so we are battling that. And I, I just want to give you some biblical thoughts about things that we need to embrace in our life. If we're going to, number one, in our own life, uh, swim upstream and change the culture of our heart from a culture of selfishness to a servant's heart. The first one is this. This is going to bless you. 
Everybody say, Ooh, get, I mean, everybody get ready for a blessing. You ready for a blessing? The first one's going to bless you. Here we go. The first thing you and I need to do, if we're going to embrace the servant's heart in the midst of a culture of unselfishness, come on, get ready. Number one, we've got to die daily. Hallelujah. Whoo, that makes me get the warm fuzzies. No. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said this in verse 31. He said, I die daily. Everybody say it out loud. I die daily. I die daily. What's he dying to? Physically? Absolutely not. He's dying to his own flesh. He's dying to his own desires. He's dying to his will every day. And could I say to you, if you're going to be a servant, if you're going to, if we're going to transform the culture of our community and transform the culture of our church family and transform the culture of our family, we're going to have to realize something that every day needs to be a burial ground of our will and our ways. If we're going to truly be a servant, uh, we've got to say, Lord, today I die to my selfish desires. I will not be selfish. I will live to serve. I don't wake up today to be served. I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. We've got to die daily. Everybody say die daily. In fact, Paul said this in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Now catch this. First, uh, uh, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live what he's saying, I'm, I'm dead, but, but in physically, I'm still alive. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In other words, the way I live is not in my own strength, but I live through the strength of God. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, that is our physical body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. How could He do that? He embraced what Jesus Christ did. The sacrificial service of Christ in His life. He said, how do I live? I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's why I live a crucified life. Because of what Christ has done for me. Jesus didn't die for your sins so you could be, we could all be, pardon me, fat and sassy and happy and be all about us till Jesus comes. Everybody say, I die daily. That's just a little thought. I thought I'd come pass along to you. That every day, if you're going to be a servant, you got to die to your own self in your own ways. Number two, Again, this is not deep and wide, but this is true. If you're going to be a servant, number two, you got to live rightly. Everybody say, die daily and live rightly. You say, you can't live the way you want to live anymore. If you're crucified in your own life, that means you live rightly. In fact, let me just tell you what how Jesus said he lived. John 8, 2, he said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He said, that's the way I live. I always do that. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it just be awesome if we could come to the place in our life where we, we live the way Jesus would have us live? He said, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. In other words, I'm living a right life. Listen today. If you're going to be a servant of God, if you're going to serve God, your family, your church family, you got to not only die daily, but you got to live rightly. You, the, the life you live has got to be a life that is pleasing to the Father. You can't live to please yourself anymore. We can't live to please our own desires. 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We've got to die daily. We've got to live rightly. And number three, we've got to love sacrificially. That's what Jesus did for us. In 1 John 3.16, and now catch this, what does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, right? He sacrificed. He loved us sacrificially. But look what it says in 1 John, not John, but 1 John 3.16, it says this about us. It says, uh, 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 we ought to, as God laid down His life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, in other words, the way God loved us and the way Jesus loved us is the way we need to love one another. We've got to live uh, rightly and love sacrificially. The true love of God is not a selfish mindset. And we have this understanding in our mind, you know, well, I love you, but you got to love me back. How many of you know that's not God's love? God just said, I love you. He didn't say, if you love me back. And so... The love of God, in fact, when you study even the very word, the core of the love of God, there's different levels of love in Scripture. You know, there's the phileo love, which is, you ever heard of Philadelphia? It comes from the Greek word phileo, which is the city of what? Brotherly love. You know, I'm around a bunch of, I was around a bunch of my brothers in Christ. Man, we have brotherly love. We had, we played golf. Uh, and people say, are you going to play golf, Pastor Sam? I said, well, let me tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to go to the golf course. I'm going to pay the price of admission. I'm going, I'm going to have all the golfing equipment and, 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 but I cannot absolutely promise you that, that I will play golf. I will attempt to play golf. Uh, and I did pretty good. In fact, I was on the winning team. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That means the bar was pretty low, wasn't it, Michael? Michael played. He's not a golfer, but he golfed. He's been there and done that. Amen. But I got a lot of brotherly, brotherly love. But then there's a, there's the kind of love that we talk about when God so loved the world, the, the world. That's agape. It means a self, selfless, sacrificial love. A love that lays down its life for one another. And we find that in the family, in our families. I absolutely could tell you that I see Mabry on the front row. Ooh, Mabry is so sweet. She's my fifth granddaughter. And I'll tell you, in a heartbeat, I would lay down my life for her. In a heart, there, there's not even a question in, in my mind about that. Josh, is there a question in your mind? Just say, no, okay, thank you. I want to make sure. That's just the nature of a father's love and a grandfather's love for their children and their grandchildren. It's just, hey, but listen, the love of God uh, that we have experienced and the selfless, sacrificial love of God, it says we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Amen. Hey, if we're going to embrace the servant's heart in the midst of a culture of selfishness, we live in a selfish culture. We gotta die daily, live rightly, and love sacrificially. And then number four, let me give you this one. We gotta give regularly. We have to be givers. We've gotta, it's gotta become our nature to give. In fact, it's gotta become such a nature that we don't pray about giving, we just give. Man, I love being where I was. I wish you could have been with me this weekend. Uh, in fact, I saw something so phenomenal. Uh, there's a young man in Texarkana on staff. His name is, uh, oh, I forget his name. I see his face. Uh, but anyway, he's on staff there. 
Travis, Travis, Travis. Oh man, I wish I could, I, I wish I could clone Travis. Travis went to India with his church, with the Tituses, and he came back with this burden in his heart, and he came back with a burden, and Travis on his own raised $12,000 to build a church in India. And so, uh, the church didn't, I mean, he just went out and he raised 12,000 bucks, and in this, in our conference, uh, he presented them this check, uh, for, to build a church. I went, my Lord have mercy on my soul and body. That blessed me that a young man would, would so be inspired that he would, he would not just come back and say, pastor, we ought to do this. He just came back and did it for goodness sakes. And listen, if we're going to be servants, if we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to destroy and undermine the culture of selfishness, we got to become regular sacrificial givers. In fact, sacrificial giving is the core of Christianity. Did you get that? Christianity at its very core is, it, it is, has been birthed into, into our, uh, into this world with a sacrificial, for God so loved the world that He gave. Amen. And we give, as I say all the time, we give our time, we give our talents, and we give of our treasure. Our time. How many of you know time is valuable? Did you know you can't, you can't go back? You can't run the, and so every day, you know, and, and scripture says we should redeem the time. Our time is valuable, and God wants your time. In fact, gosh, there's so much in scripture. In fact, how many of you know scripture teaches that He wants the first part of our, of everything? He's a God of first fruits. He wants the first part of your day. He wants the first part of everything. And in the Old Testament types and shadows, they gave him the first fruits of their increase. And you, and then, and then we come along and we see the tithe implemented and people say, well, that's an Old Testament. Oh, no, it's not. You've heard that, hey, it's Old and New Testament. Let me tell you something. You know why God instituted a regular, uh, 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 declaration of scripture about giving, about tithing and offerings? You know why he did? Well, cause he needs money. No, because no, he needs a, he needs a place to teach you on a regular basis, that you cannot be selfish in this life, that we are givers in this life. And so he created a system and a methodology where we give him the first fruits of all our increase and we give it to him. And it should not be, you know, it should not be an issue. This all, it all belongs to him anyway. And so that's why he put that all together. He could speak and a million dollars could come in our bank account. He could take care of you. He doesn't need my money. But let me tell you something. He built a system uh, to teach us, if you will, how to be faithful to him and to, and to be good stewards of all that he has and to maintain a right hearted understanding about resources. And we're just stewards of the resources he puts into our care. Am I right? And so I want to encourage you. If you're going to be a servant of the Lord, listen, if you're going to be a true servant, and I have, I've seen people try to serve God, but never, they, they give him maybe a little time, they give him of their talents, but when it comes to their treasure, they start balking. Uh, uh, 
Well, maybe God didn't mean it the way He meant it and create all kinds of ways and means to get away from the, the, the tried and true methodologies and scriptural directives that God has, that we have as through Jim has, and, and others have said that, we, that He has given us in order to keep us and keep our hearts right and realize we're here to serve and we're stewards of all that God puts into our care. And if you're going to con, uh, uh, combat the spirit of selfishness and the culture of selfishness in the, in, in the world and even in the church, you gotta die daily, live right, they love sacrificially and give regularly. Amen. Even one of the, the re, let me tell you something. The, the, even the chainsaw thing that you saw just a few moments ago. Could we get $300 out of our, uh, out of our uh, missions budget and send to them without you ever knowing? Absolutely. But you know what? I think it's good. I think it's good. Oh, here's an opportunity to give. I want to be a part of this. And as a result, I'm going to be a part of the blessing because I give. And oh, I could tell you all the things. If you give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. I bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Prove me now here with saith the Lord. So if I'll not open the windows of heaven, boy, you had a blessing so much so that you cannot contain it. Uh, you know, uh, hey, all those promises of provision but if there was not one promise of provision if the principle of sowing and reaping absolutely did not work and God said give listen that's why we should give amen our patty cake and if you believe it let's give the Lord some praise amen so in this culture, listen, and I told you the, I told you the statistics by and large across America. I don't know what the statistics are here, but the, the statistics of tithers in any given evangelist, uh, evangelical church is, is somewhere between 10 and 25% of people tithe uh, uh, in the church. How many of you know the bar has been lowered? Not just the biblical bar has been lowered so much in our finances. Let me just ask you this. I've asked it a few times. How many of you could take a 75% whack in your income and survive? Come on now. Well, we expect the church to, to live on 25%. How many of you know we've lowered the bar? You got to think about that. We gotta ponder that. Where, where's my responsibility in service and sacrifice to my church? You know, and many hands make a light load. And in every church in America, listen, what would happen in every church in America if, if every faithful member of the church got this today and began to tithe? What if all of a sudden every church in America went from a 25% of what God would desires for them to operate on, they went to 100% of what God desires them to operate on, and 100% of their people began to tithe? Listen, we would transform the culture of, of this world with evangelism and outreach. Whew. Somebody say amen. Everybody say, we got to raise the bar. And I'm about done. We've got to die daily. We've got to live rightly. We've got to love sacrificially. We've got to give regularly. And number four, and then I'm going to give you number four and five pretty quick. We've got to resist continually. Everybody say resist. You see, Jesus had to resist the culture of selfishness. When he at the, at, at, at the, in the garden, he says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He prayed it three times. And so, let me just give you some things we've got to resist. Number one, the culture of selfishness. We can't let that undermine us. 
You know, we have friends. Beverly and I could name you some. Uh, in fact, I'm going to give Beverly a test. Beverly, and, and our friends, the friends that we have, can you th- give me the names of people who you would say are just seem like natural born servants? And our friends. I put her on the spot. Huh? A lot of them. Name some close friends. Yeah. 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 Anybody that is not a member of this church. Yeah. Conan and Shelley. They're top Conan and Shelley. I thought she would just say that right off the bat. The Welches. They're just natural born servants. That it's in their, it's in their blood. I, I don't know how it got there, but I bet I know how it got there. Mom and daddy taught them. It's in their culture. It's, it's kind of in my culture, in my, it's very much in my wife's heart and in mine. But let me tell you something. I've seen something. Now, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm going to just show you a trend. When Beverly and I started serving in the church, when we'd have a church event, we just naturally get up and at the end we start serving and helping. But there is a culture that just absolutely does not see that need. Absolutely don't see it. Even while people, and I'm not chastising, I'm just showing you something. When people are all around them putting up tables and putting up chairs, they're just sitting there going, man, this was great. One church. Ooh, this is great breakfast pie you brought out of our. Now, and I've seen, I've seen an entire facility get cleaned from top to bottom, and everything put back. And some people literally just standing there, oblivious. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? I'm, 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 this is what pastors do. We have to talk about these things. And it's a reflection of our culture. It may be the way we were raised, an expectation that somebody's going to... This is what I... You know, when I drive in on the parking lot and I see trash in the parking lot, in my mind I go... Ooh, ooh, ah, and if at all possible, I whip over and put... I'm telling you, I picked up dirty diapers off the parking lot. But then there are times I watch, I say, I'm just going to see how many people drive past the dirty diaper. Because it's just not in their mind. They think somebody's paid to do that. That's not my job. Somebody else got to do that. Our culture has lowered the bar. And it's a serve me society. It's an expectation that somebody's going to do it for me. I don't need to do it myself. We got to resist that. It's a culture. It's a culture of selfishness. Let me give you two more. It's a culture. We've got to resist the culture of sinfulness. That says it's all about me. The lust of my flesh. The lust of my eyes. And the pride of life. You You know some of the biggest money makers on planet earth? Is people who advertise. Because they appeal to our senses and our, 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 our fleshly desire. We've got to resist that culture. And number three, we've got to resist the culture of slackness. That's laziness. It's in our culture. 
we're just natural, we're just lazy. Now, that just sounds like common sense, but listen, it's biblical. Hebrews eleven six. the writer of Hebrews says, don't let laziness, the spirit of sluggishness come on you in the middle of God's purpose and plan for your life. We've got to resist these things continually. And lastly, we've got to serve gladly. Everybody say, serve gladly. David said this in Psalms 100. He said, serve the Lord with gladness. I'm going to close with this. Listen, sacrificial service is an action that is born out of a right attitude. We serve the Lord with gladness. It's an attitude that is born out of our hearts. You know, I've been in the church and I've served the Lord, but I've also served the Lord with the wrong attitude. I've also pulled up to the trash in the parking lot and defamed whoever put it there. We've got to serve Him gladly. Listen, we've got to break this thing, this culture of selfishness, and begin to serve Him gladly. Let's stand up together. Lord, we thank You today that You're calling us to raise the bar in our own life and become more and more like You. For Lord, You said this, that, that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. Today, as we close out this service, let it be a birthing of service in our hearts. And may we, Lord, resist the culture of selfishness. Resist this serve me society mindset. Again, to serve you. To serve our families and serve our communities and serve our church family today. Give us the mind and the heart of Jesus. Let us raise the bar of service and sacrifice. And Lord, let us, Lord, die daily to our own desires. Lord, let us live rightly to please you. Let us love sacrificially as you loved us. And Lord, let us give regularly, not of our just our time and our talents, but our treasure. And Lord, let us live a life that resists continually the influences of selfishness and sinfulness and slackness. And let us embrace the heart of Jesus that would serve him gladly. Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.